Thank you for listening today. We hope that this message from God's Word will help you to grow in your knowledge of God and your relationship with Him. At Lucy Baptist Church, we are fully committed to loving God, loving people, and making disciples. Now here's today's message. Uh, Well, in our text that we're looking at today in Luke chapter 14, invite you to turn there, Luke chapter 14. We saw in uh, the passage last Sunday in chapter 14, verse 1, as is often, often true, Jesus is in a home. He's in a home of a Pharisee, as we said. Uh, he was uh, always willing to go to the home of a, of a, uh, a non-religious sinner. He went to the home of Zacchaeus after Zacchaeus had been saved, but other uh, homes of people. One of the accusations against him was that he ate with publicans and sinners, and that was no compliment when people said that about him, even though we know it was true, uh, was a compliment. Um, But he ate with religious sinners too. And in this case, he knew these people were going to try. They were in the process of trying to trip him up and trap him, but, uh, but he took the invitation and always used the opportunity. He was always on mission for his father, and so are we. And so the Lord Jesus used those opportunities. And we saw last Sunday in, uh, in the first part of the passage there uh, through uh, verse 14 that he confronted sin. Uh, in fact, we saw he confronted their sins and hours of hypocrisy and pride and, and selfishness. And uh, so, uh, so again, today we're going to see where someone in that, in that setting uh, brought something up apparently in an effort to divert the Lord Jesus, in, uh, as we'll see it there in verse, in verse 14. Uh, and and uh, again, he said, you'll be blessed because they cannot repay you and, and you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. At the mention of the resurrection of the just, then we're going to see uh, what happened as a result. So with your Bibles open, I want to invite you to turn with me there to verse 15, uh, Luke 14, 15. And if you have it open there, please stand with me. As if you're able, as we read the Word of God together. Luke chapter 14, we'll begin reading with verse number 15 and read through uh, verse 24. Again, now, when, when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then he said to him, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many. And sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must go and see it, and I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Still another said, I have married a wife. And therefore, I cannot come. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servants, Go out and quick, go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. For I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. And from this passage today, this parable of the Lord Jesus in this setting, I'll bring a message entitled, you're invited to God's great salvation 
banquet. Let's pray. Thank you again, Father, for the wonderful opportunity we have to worship you. Thank you for your presence here today. Continue to move among your people today. And Lord, speak to those today who don't know Christ as Lord and awaken them to their need for you. And as we preach this passage today about this great salvation banquet, we thank you today for those, uh, Lord, that you've, you've sent out this invitation to us by the work of your spirit, by the word of the gospel. Thank you for, uh, Lord, you taking the initiation in our salvation. Thank you, God, uh, Lord, for uh, the work of your spirit to bring us to conviction, to repentance, and to faith. And for those today in the room who have, again, responded to that invitation, Lord, we would pray for those who have not yet responded today that they will hear your voice as you speak to them through the word of God, through the spirit of God, that you will draw people to yourself. And Lord, that again, we as your children who have the responsibility to take the gospel invitation to the world, that we will be obedient servants unto you. We love you, exalt you, and praise you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray and for his sake, amen. You may be seated. Again, there in, in verse 14, this one sitting at the table uh, said, Blessed is, is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. Many believe this man made this statement uh, really in, uh, in, in an effort to kind of divert the situation. Uh, it was a very uncomfortable situation. I was reading one, one uh, fellow who was commenting on this, uh, on this particular parable. He said, if there had been medicine cabinets and Rolaids in those days, the people at this particular meal would have gone home that day and taken some Rolaids. I mean, it was a very uncomfortable situation. Jesus had confronted them, except, of course, for, for the Lord Jesus and, uh, and those who truly were in right relationship. The disciples may have even gone home to take Rolaids because, again, I'm sure when they got in those situations, it was tense for them as well. And, uh, and, but, but, again, this, this one who's brought this subject up uh, and who's, who's made this comment, uh, many believe that he's made in an effort uh, to diffuse the uncomfortable situation that Jesus has caused. Uh, and, but you know, his statement presumes here that if, any, if anyone were going to be in the Messianic kingdom, it would have been them, those, the Pharisees present that day. Again, because they, uh, they, were, they considered themselves the guardians of truth. They considered themselves the guardians of, of, uh, of, of what we would consider today uh, true doctrine. And, uh, and, and, and again, that's why they'd come up with all these man-made rules uh, that were interpretations of God's law, but had greatly and uh, created a legalistic spirit that by keeping the law, they could somehow be in right relationship with God. And so they thought they deserved the, the seats of honor, not only in this Pharisee's home, they believed they deserved seats of honor in God's kingdom. And so Jesus, of course, uh, is seeking in this passage, in this parable we've read, to correct uh, and confront this wrong thinking again with another parable about a host who had a great banquet. And in the custom of, uh, of this uh, day, they would send out a servant. They would send out servants to announce the banquet uh, and, uh, and to invite people. And then on the day of the banquet, they would send people out to say the banquet is now ready. Uh, you know, they, these were uh, the, the only book they had at that time was the Old Testament uh, law. And so using salvation uh, in the imagery of a banquet was very common to them. That's, uh, we see that in the, in, in the Old Testament. We see it in Isaiah. 
Isaiah. I read it this past week in my quiet time in Isaiah. So that was a, that was a very familiar imagery to them and a very one that was very much a part of their culture to send out these invitations. And especially among the wealthy, as we saw last week, they consider that so important and, and uh, have places of seats of honor there at these, at these banquets and these great feasts, and especially around the wedding feast. Those were very, very important part of their culture. Um, and again, uh, it points to that future and the final heavenly gathering. And as we think about today, as we observe and celebrate the Lord's Supper together as the family of God, and uh, we think about that marriage supper of the Lamb that the Bible says we will participate in as the family of God as we, as we meet the Lord Jesus and spend eternity together with Him in heaven. So think with me today about four truths in this passage. As we consider this theme, you're invited to God's great salvation banquet. Notice, first of all, the gracious invitation to God's salvation banquet. The gracious invitation to God's salvation banquet. In verses 16 and uh, 17, we see this, this invitation as Jesus is uh, giving this parable uh, of this certain man who gave this great supper, this great feast, this, this great banquet again that, that pictures salvation in God's kingdom. Uh, to have a meal of this kind of magnitude certainly was an indication uh, that the host would have been a very wealthy person, would have been able to provide this great banquet. And that, that would be an indication of wealth. Of course, picturing God who, who owns the uh, cattle on a thousand hills, but also is the creator and the owner of the universe. And, but it also speaks of the great, uh, the great price that he has paid to make our salvation possible. He gave, he spared uh, no expense. In fact, he gave the most precious thing he had by giving the Lord Jesus Christ, his precious dear son, the Lord Jesus. And, and that's, what made our, that's what makes our salvation possible. Well, two invitations, as, as I mentioned earlier, would be delivered uh, by the servants. The first one to say, uh, kind of like we get today, this is sort of a new thing now, uh, we get these save the date uh, invitations. Someone's saying they're going to get married and, and, uh, and they want you to save the date. Well, this was kind of a save the date announcement, but, but they would go to, to the individuals invited to the, to the banquet and they would say, will you come? And they would say, they would respond, yes. And why, who would turn down such a great opportunity for such a great feast? And, and what an honor to be invited uh, to this great feast at the, the, the home here uh, of this very important host. And so they would respond quickly, uh, yes, we'll come. And then a second invitation would be sent out, uh, basically saying, because they didn't have email, telephone, telegraph, uh, uh, any of those things, they would, uh, they would say, all right, it's time. The banquet's ready. Come on. And uh, it'd be time to go. And, and they, would be, they would be ready to go. Well, notice, by the way, as we're talking about this and the picture to salvation, some beautiful words related to the gospel today. And if you're a child of God, you rejoice in these words. If you're not a child of God, I pray you'll hear them and that God will speak this to your heart. The first one here that's uh, such a beautiful word related to the gospel is the word come. Come. And, and that's the invitation. Uh, and that's what God invites us to do, to come to himself numerous times. Matthew, uh, of course, uh, 11, uh, 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Uh, Revelation twenty two seventeen. near the end of uh, inspired scripture, he says, the spirit and the bride say, come. 
and, and let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. Isn't that the word come, a beautiful, precious word that God invites us and, and by his spirit through the word of God and through the spirit of God, and he says through the bride, that's the church. That's what we say to people. We, we say to a lost world, come, come to Jesus. Uh, and, and, uh, and again, uh, this is a, a word that speaks of the simplicity of the gospel. He doesn't say work. He doesn't, doesn't say earn your way. He doesn't say try, uh, live a good life. He just says come, the simplicity of the gospel. It speaks also of the availability of the gospel. Again, he sends out this, this invitation, uh, and, and, and it, so it speaks of the availability to us of the gospel. Uh, and again, understood there is, un, is the word you come. Aren't you glad uh, as, uh, as we sing in that, that old hymn, whosoever surely means me, surely meaneth me. It, it, it's, a, it's a wonderful word that we have responded to. And then again, but it does point to the responsibility of the gospel. The responsibility. We have a responsibility. You see the sovereignty of God involved here with God sending out the invitation here to us, but you also see the responsibility of people responding and having to respond. So you see, the again, the responsibility that we must respond. And the Bible says we respond to the gospel through repentance and faith, turning from our sin, putting our faith and trust to Jesus, surrendering our lives to the Lordship of Christ. So we see the responsibility. It does require a response. Two other words here in this uh, passage that in verse 17 that, that are beautiful words related to the gospel. The first there in verse 17 is, is, the, is the word all. Again, he, he says, uh, he says uh, to his servant, he said, uh, come for all things. All things. In other words, what he's describing here is that God has done everything that is needed for our salvation. He has finished the work. In fact, when Jesus spoke from the cross and said to Telestai, it is finished, the, he was saying, I've done it all. I've paid it in full for our salvation. There's nothing that we can do and, and nothing that we can do to earn our salvation because we have nothing with which to, to add. There's nothing we need to add because we have nothing to add. Amen? There's nothing about us that would enable us to add anything. And then there's another word concerning the gospel, and it's the word now. Again, he says, come for all things are now ready. The word now is a word that speaks of the gospel because, again, we're invited now to come. In fact, in Scripture, we're told that we're to come before the Lord and, and we're to come to Him. In fact, 2 Corinthians 6, 2 says, Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. So as we think about this gracious invitation of God, I, I simply want to ask you today, have you responded to God's gracious invitation. Are you certain that you that there's been that time that you said yes? Now again, there were those who first said yes, but then they said no. Then they then we're going to see in a moment. So have you responded to God's gracious invitation? If you have not, will you today? Will you respond to the gracious invitation of God as he speaks to you and he shows you your need for Christ? Will you respond? to his invitation. So again, we see the gracious invitation to God's uh, salvation banquet. But notice second, we see the foolish rejection of God's gracious 
invitation. The foolish rejection, because beginning in verse 18, how do they respond? Those who have, who have, uh, who have, re- who have received this invitation and told this is going to happen, Notice what their response is. You would expect that, that anyone, once again, who had received such a wonderful invitation to such a, a wonderful event, and, and, and really, and from a perspective of, of eternity here, uh, such a life-changing, eternally uh, altering event, everyone would stop what they were doing and say, I'm coming. You ever, uh, th- those of you whose, uh, whose wives uh, do the cooking for, for you and prepare wonderful meals like my wife does, you know, Karen will say, okay, David, it's time to come. And, and uh, she may say, it's going to get cold, you better come. And, but that doesn't take very long. Usually that doesn't happen very often. I'm usually there very quickly. Well, here's, a, here's a, the most important invitation of all. And they should have dropped what they were doing and say, we're on our way. But instead, they began to, uh, to make excuses about why they were not come. They were flimsy excuses. Really, they were foolish rejection. It wasn't just an excuse. It was a rejection. And from, again, the, the spiritual application, it was a rejection of Christ, of Christ's invitation. Again, someone said excuses are, are lies in the skin of a reason. And that's exactly what we see happening here. Verse 18, notice the, the first one there in, in, in verse 18. He says, um, that all of them began to make excuses. The first said, uh, I have bought a piece of ground. I must go and, and see, and I ask you to have me excused. Because some say, well, you know, who would buy a piece of property without going to see it? And, uh, but, but what this man is doing is he, he's allowing his possessions to keep him from the most important opportunity in his life, possessions. We saw that with a rich young ruler in the ministry of Jesus. He allowed his riches, his possessions to be his God and to, to keep him from eternity, from, from a right relationship with Christ. He allowed things, and many people do that today. They allow things to keep them. They allow things to be their God and are not willing to turn from the love of things in order to turn to Christ as Lord. And that's what many did at this time as well. Again, in verse 19, we see another. He said, another said, I've bought five yoke of oxen. I'm going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. Here was a man who, who allowed his profession, if you will, to keep him uh, from, from the most important opportunity of, of his life. And, and, in, and really, again, in the, in the application, to keep him from salvation, to keep him from God's great salvation banquet, he allowed his profession Many today uh, serve their profession, their job, as their God. That's all important to them. And and they put everything in their life into their profession. And they reject God's invitation because they're slaves to their profession, to their jobs, to their work. And then thirdly, the the last one there in verse 20, he said, I've married a wife and and I can't come. Uh, And uh, again, this this man was allowing a, a person or even a, pl- a pleasure to keep him from, uh, from the most important thing, from eternal salvation in the application. And again, many people choose personal pleasure and, 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 or another person uh, above Jesus, and they put people as the God of their life. Well, again, none of these things in and of themselves were evil, were they? You know, again, uh, does God, is it okay for us to have property? Yes, to be managers of it, stewards of it, Sure. Is it all right for us to, to, uh, to have a profession and a job? He wants us to. He teaches us we should do that. Uh, is it okay to be married and uh, enjoy marriage? Absolutely. In relationships, certainly. If they're honorable and under the Lord, of course. 
But it's when we allow these people or things uh, or or, uh, pursuits in our life to keep us uh, or, or to become the God of our life and idols that we worship instead of Christ. And that's exactly what these individuals did, and that's what many people do today. He will not play second fiddle. He will not, uh, uh, there's no other place on the throne of your life except for the Lord Jesus Christ. And dear friend, he's called us to total surrender of our lives to him for him to be Lord of our life. Again, uh, the, the servant came back as we see there in verse 21 and the servant came and reported these things to his master. And that reminds us again that, that first of all, we are responsible to our father. As believers in Christ, we are the servants. We are the ones that are taking the message uh, to the world. We're the ones that are going out and, and sharing with people. We are the, the ministers of reconciliation, 2 Corinthians 5 says. We're the ones who go to people and say, be reconciled to God. And we, give the, we have the joy and the privilege of being the ones to extend God's gospel invitation and inviting people to a relationship uh, with Christ. And, and we too are accountable to our master for what we do with the gospel. In fact, we all know, and, and uh, we're good about reminding people that we are stewards of our possessions, and we are. We don't own those. But you know, the Bible says and teaches us uh, in, in Luke 19 that we are also uh, accountable for what we do with the gospel. We are accountable for investing the gospel. We're accountable for taking this gospel to others, and we give an account as well. So, so this servant reported back uh, to the master, and, and, and the master was angry. And, uh, you know, imagine, uh, again, this picture's God, and, 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 uh, and the uh, audacity of these people. They first have said they will respond to the invitation. They have first said they'll come. And yes, they, they, want to, they want to enjoy the banquet. And then when the time came, flimsy excuses that were nothing but foolish rejection. And again, the application, they were rejecting the Lord Jesus Christ. This was a picture of, of what these Jews had done. And again, they had been, uh, from the book of Genesis 3, the gospel had been proclaimed. God was saying, there's going to be a Messiah. He's going to come. And, and so for all these years, they'd said, yes, yes, we want the Messiah. Yes, yes, we want him. Bring him on. We want him. And they were anticipating his coming. Maybe uh, the, the, the young women, the young virgins would think, maybe I can have the privilege of being the mother of the Messiah. And now this time has come and the Messiah has come and they're rejecting their Messiah. And again, that's all the application is to any today who would, who would hear the gospel and who would reject the invitation and reject the gospel. What audacity when God in his grace and God has gone to such great provision and such great demonstration of his love that he would send his precious son to die and that we would have the pride and the audacity to give excuses and to reject the Lord Jesus Christ when God has made his salvation available. What, what audacity. And, and, and again, thinking about this in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 29 says, How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has prof- profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace? Dear friend, 
don't count it lightly that you had the privilege of hearing the gospel when there are many in our world today, many in our world who've yet to even hear the name of Jesus, to hear the name of the God, hear the gospel, and for you to treat the gospel lightly and flippantly and to make excuses for turning away and to think lightly toward that. Oh, dear friend, the word of God would warn you today, warn you about what a dangerous place that is to be. John MacArthur said to expect heaven while rejecting Jesus Christ and his gospel is the most deadly and serious of all false hopes. And dear friend, there may be some in this room today who are doing just that, who are putting your faith in something else, who are putting your faith in, 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 a, in a church membership or in a baptism experience and, and not in Christ. And you have a false hope today and you are falsely assured of something that you do not have as these were, as these were hearing, who were hearing the Lord Jesus that day. Or again, maybe you're putting this off and you're saying like these were, no, uh, I, I have a, not now. And, and, and you're coming up with flimsy excuses which result, which are really nothing but foolish rejection. And I pray in his mercy today that, that you will hear his voice today and you will not harden your heart against God's gracious invitation. But thirdly, I want you to see the, the loving extension of God's invitation to the whole world. Notice uh, he goes on in the latter part of verse, uh, verse 21 and or continues there. Then the master of the house being angry said to his servant, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded and, and still there is room. The master of the house, again, representing God, he sent this servant out quickly, again, showing the urgency, showing again the time is now to respond to the gospel. But he sent him first to those, you remember that in last week's passage, if you were here, he told the host not just to invite people that could respond or reciprocate in, in inviting you over, but go out to people who could not pay you, who, who, who could not return the favor, who had nothing to pay and nothing to respond. The, the, again, the crippled and the, the poor and the blind, blind and the lame. And that's exactly in this story who, uh, who was, uh, respond, who was receiving the invitation now. After these had rejected, he said, go to them. And again, this was unheard of. I'm sure as that was told that day, the Pharisees around that table were thinking, what? That's impossible. Take the, take the, invite these people to your home, those outcasts, if you will. Why would you want to have them? They can do nothing. But again, imagine as those in this story, as those people heard that, the, the servant went out to the, to the poor and the crippled and the lame and the blind, and, and he went to them, and imagine their response. They too were, were as shocked and surprised as the Pharisees were that day. What? He's invited me? I have nothing. I cannot repay him. I can't reciprocate. I can't invite him to my home. I have nothing. I don't have the clothes to wear. I, I'm poor. To which the, the servant would say, the master knows that. He knows you have nothing. He's provided everything. It's all taken care of. Some responded, and yet some still refused. As today, people think, I, I don't have anything. I'm not deserving. I'm not worthy. Absolutely. Jesus has paid it all. Verse 22, he says that he come back to, came, comes back to the master and said, Master, it's done as you commanded, and there is still room. 
In verse 23, the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Now these are, he's gone beyond the poor, the lame, the blind, the crippled. Now he says, go to the highways and the hedges. And these would have these would have been people who would have been considered in their day even more unworthy. He would have been saying, go, go now out to the, to the homeless, uh, go to the, the, the prostitutes on the corners, uh, go uh, to the greatest of sinners that you can find out there. Go to them and, 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 and urge them to come. And dear friend, again, that reminds us of the urgency of the gospel. It reminds us of our responsibility to take this gospel and to urgently plead with people. We can't talk people into being saved. Amen? In fact, if, if someone has talked, as Dr. Rogers used to say, if someone can talk you into it, then somebody else can talk you out of it. So it's not something we, we don't humanly, with human reason, try to, but we do persuade with the gospel. We do, we do uh, have a broken heart and we do urge people and that's what I am attempting to do today if you're here without Christ is to urge you to turn from your sin, to urge you to place your faith in Jesus. I'm warning you today of the dangers of rejecting Christ and that is what we're to do, to compel people to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, so this servant, like, like this servant, we too are commissioned to go into the, all the world and to share the gospel. That's what Acts 1-8 is all about. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, right here where you are in your local city and community, all Judea, the surrounding regions, Samaria, those places where, where people will go out of their way to stay out of their way, and to the end of the earth, the uttermost parts. Amen? That's where we're commissioned to go. That's who we're to go to. So, so who is this? Who are these people? Who are these people out there in the highways and the hedges and, and these unworthy sinners? I'll tell you who they are. They're me. Amen? And dear friend, they're you, whoever you are today. You see, because none of us have anything to bring to Jesus. None of us have anything to offer. That's who every one of us are. Yes, it, it, uh, again, in, in an interpretation, it certainly involves the Gentiles because God started, the, the gospel was to the Jew first and also to the Greeks. So yes, uh, it includes every one of us who are sinners apart from Christ. And again, we are to take this gospel message. And I want to say today, dear friend, again, if, you are, if you're here and you've responded to the gospel invitation, the gospel should be more precious to you than ever before. The gospel, you should never get tired of the gospel. You should, you should be more and more amazed at the grace of God in the gospel. Amen? That God would have included you, that he would have sent you by the work of his spirit, that he sent a servant to you to share the gospel. Praise God for that. And again, our job, your job and our mission is to spend the rest of our life delivering the invitation, taking the invitation of God to the world and saying, come to Jesus. Repent of your sin. Place your faith in Christ. Believe the gospel. That is our mission. So again, I ask you, are you fulfilling your mission? Are you doing what God's... It's not just for pastors. It's not just for deacons and Sunday school teachers. Every child of God, it is our mission to go with the gospel. But four, I want you to see, number four, the eternal condemnation upon those who reject God's invitation. Look at verse 24. Jesus said, for I say to you that none of those men who are invited shall taste my supper. 
Now, Jesus gives the application of this parable right here to his hearers and to us. These who had been invited to the supper first and then the second invitation to come, they said, yeah, we'll come, and now they've rejected the invitation. Jesus says they're not, they're, they've lost their opportunity. They've lost their opportunity. We've seen this message in Jesus' in, in Jesus teaching repeatedly in the Gospel of Luke. Here's the opportunity. Respond to it. Respond to it. One day, the door is going to be shut. One day, the opportunity is going to be over. Respond now to the invitation. Do not say no. Do not harden your heart. We often think of that, and rightly so, that when a person uh, rejects Christ and rejects the invitation, that when, when, when death comes and, and that person uh, is, has, is uh, no longer breathing, that, that the opportunity is over. But I would, and that's certainly true, but friend, I would go even beyond that. It's possible, I believe, as, as one brother used to put it, to, to, to send away your day of opportunity and, 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 and to, to uh, cross God's deadline and to say no and to harden your heart beyond opportunity to respond to the gospel. And so again, I want to urge you, I want to warn you not to reject the grace of Almighty God, not to say no, not to harden your heart. Don't take lightly. Don't uh, have that, uh, the audacity that these who do, did who made these excuses, but respond because the day will come when you have no more opportunity. John 3, 36, Jesus said, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. The wrath of God. You see, what is Jesus talking about? Jesus received that wrath. He received the wrath of God upon himself. That's what the cross is all about. All of the wrath of God was poured out on the Lord Jesus Christ for sin. We're going to celebrate that today as we observe the Lord's Supper today, as he shed his precious blood. We celebrate today the fact that Jesus became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. All of the holy wrath of God, all of our hell, if you will, was poured out on Jesus so that we don't have to spend eternity there. And again, by our repentance, turning from our sin, our faith, putting our trust in Jesus, his death for us, his burial, his resurrection, putting our faith and trust fully in him, then we know the forgiveness of our sin and the wrath of God no longer abides on us. But if you're here without Christ, dear friend, the Bible says the wrath of God abides. It remains upon you. You are already condemned. I say that in love. Because I don't want you to go there. I don't want you to spend eternity apart from Christ. I don't want you to spend another moment, and nor do any other believers in this room. I don't want you to spend another moment in this life without Jesus. Amen? Repent of your sin. Place your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Imagine a multimillionaire sending out his assistant in, uh, in a limousine. He says, go out now into the, into the poorest part of town. And I want you to get people and bring them back to my meal, so he, to, to, to my great banquet. So he goes out to the poorest part, and he, and he, sees, a, he sees a fella that many would describe as a bum on the side of the road. And he, he goes up to him, and he, he says, hey, he, he said, listen, he said, my master, my, the, my boss is, is having a, a great banquet, and you're invited. Hop in, and I'll take you. Wait a minute. I can't go. Look, look how I'm dressed. I haven't had a bath in three days. I don't know when I've washed my clothes. I can't go. Oh, don't worry about that. You won't be the only one there. In fact, you qualify. Come. You're invited and, and you can go with me now, but you must come now. Respond now. I, 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 
I can't, I can't do that. I'd be out of place. Everyone else there will be just like you. The food's on the table. The banquet's about to begin. Come as you are. Dear friend, that sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? Well, it is good, but it's also true. Amen? And if you're here as a child of God today, you know that that invitation's been extended to you. And if you're his child, it's, it's because you said yes. And because you came to something that probably did sound too good to be true. But again, as you recognize your unworthiness, you recognized your sin, you responded in repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, then he has changed your life. Again, dear friend, it's good. And you have nothing to commend yourself to God with. Jesus is saying to each person, no matter how great your sins, come, for I have prepared everything for you so that you can be saved from God's wrath, from God's judgment, and you can dine with me for all eternity, beginning right now. So my question to you, dear friend, is, is this. If you're here without Christ, will you say yes to his invitation? Will you say yes right now? I'll come to Jesus. Think with me for a few moments about this message and ask the Lord how it applies to you today. Where do you find yourself in this story? Well, you're not the host. God's the host. But you're here today either as one who has not yet responded to this invitation. You may be someone to this point who has heard the, the, the invitation and has rejected it. But praise God for the God of grace. Today, you still hear his voice speaking to you today, showing you your need for Christ. You may have said no before, but today, the Spirit of God is speaking to you. Say yes. And I want to say to you today, friend, that if, if, you, if God has given you that grace, respond to it today. If you sense God's showing you that you need Christ, that may be where you are today. Maybe you're here today as one who, who, has, uh, who has, uh, has responded to the invitation, but you're the servant. You're the one that has the privilege of taking the invitation. So again, I want you to think about that. What are you doing about that responsibility you have to take the gospel invitation to the world? Second, I want to ask you are, you, are you certain today that you've responded to God's invitation? Even if you are one who is a, a member of the church and member of our church or some other church, I want to ask you today to, ask, to, to examine your heart today. Are you certain that you have responded to the invitation through repentance and faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? Or are you, are you offering today flimsy excuses, excuses for your rejection of Christ? I want to urge you today, no longer offer those flimsy excuses. And then again, are you faithfully obeying the, the master to take God's invitation to a lost world? Will you one day participate in the marriage supper of the Lamb? This is Pastor David Lawrence. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that God used his word in your life today. If you do not have a relationship with God, the Bible says you can as you turn from your sin, place your faith in Christ Jesus, His death for you on the cross and His resurrection from the dead, and surrender your life to Jesus as Lord. We'd like to invite you to join us for worship. You can find information about the times and locations for all of our gatherings on our website at lucybaptist.com. If you have any questions or if we can minister to you in any way, please call us at 901-872-0623 or email us at info at lucybaptist.com.